We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast live here on a Tuesday. And it's a little bit of a, a different topic for today. Usually mm-hmm. you'll be tuning in and we'll be talking about the next opponent and giving you a little bit of breakdown as far as what they bring to the table, what where Notre Dame is currently. But we are in a bye week, fresh off of a big win against USC this past weekend, 48-20. to 20. So it's almost like a two-thirds of the way through the season report card to a degree yeah. i mean we're not giving grades yeah. out but i mean this is yeah. literally almost like a state of the union of what we've seen so far yeah. where this program is and what the rest of the season can behold brian and obviously there's a lot of layers that we're going to kind of comb through here and we'll talk about the things that everyone's super curious about as far as what's an ideal ending for notre dame what it can mean from a bull birth perspective postseason perspective but I think full scope, man, like it goes a lot deeper than just that, right? We're talking about a second year of a Marcus Freeman ten- tenure. We've seen some progress in some areas, some spots that we still need, obviously, a lot of progress moving forward here. So we're diagnosing, man, the state of Notre Dame football today. So it should be a lot of fun. And we'll also do a mailbag at the end. Mailbag questions at any point in the chat. Just hit an MB before the question, and we'll be sure to get through to it. So, uh, Brian, but I, it's a great uh, talking point, I think, today, eight games into the season. Six and two is not quite what people's expectations were, obviously, at this point. At least not ours. At least not ours. And I think most people's, honestly. I think most people were extremely positive about the season going into it. Six and two, obviously, isn't a train wreck. It's not a forest fire. It's not a dumpster fire. It's not anything of those sorts. But it's not quite up to the standards that we had bestowed upon this season beforehand. So starting off here, where, where, what is this team? Where, where is this program at? Where are we? Where, yeah. What is this right now? Let's talk about the state of this program as of today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame just earned a huge win over USC, but there's still a lot of big games coming up. The Irish play pit at home in two weeks, and then they head to Clemson. I use game time to buy tickets for my parents to go to the Clemson game, and I cannot wait to get down to that game. And if you're looking for last-minute ticket deals on any Notre Dame football game, your favorite concert or comedy clubs or whatever you're looking for, game time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Here's my big picture take, Ryan. I, I think the program's in a good place. It's not in a great place yet. I I feel it, it's it's kind of wild to put this down to one game, but I really feel like how last week went was going to largely determine what this was. And it's not just from a narrow focus, narrow-minded, like, oh, the record is this, or uh, they beat USC or not. It really comes down to what kind of culture has Marcus Freeman truly created at Notre Dame? Right. Is it a culture that, okay, we didn't live up to the standard or we didn't meet expectations, we're 6-2, and two, so we're going to quit? Um, I'm going to start focusing on next year. Uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, what, what, what is the, what was the reaction going to be to the Louisville game? Because really if that game changes, the view of the season is not changed because the record I, you know, like I went through and Vince and I did a prediction thing and I like predicted a win every week, but then I they said, so you're predicting 12 and I said, no, I'm predicting 11 and one because I feel like they're going to lose a game. I just don't know who. And, you know, the Ohio State game was one of those games where it was a battle. They should have won, didn't make the plays they needed to win, and bounced back and beat a really good Duke team who showed their medal this past weekend, smashing NC State by three touchdowns without Riley Leonard, and then go out and drop the game to Louisville, bounce back, beat USC. Like, if you just change that outcome, and even, even if you still lose, I feel like if they would have battled in Louisville, just it was their day and Notre Dame still competed and played hard and did all that, I, I might be able to live with a little bit more. 
But what happened this past weekend really washed a lot of that negative taste out of my mouth. And it makes me realize this program is not where it needs to be yet in, in a lot of different ways. But yeah, they are close. They are a lot closer maybe than even we thought a week ago because of not just beating USC and beating USC convincingly. Ryan, you and I both pointed out last week, this is a USC team with flaws that their quarterback masks. I mean, how many times did we say last week what their record would look like if there was no Caleb Williams right. on that team? Well, they did have Caleb Williams, though, and they and they made him look mortal, uh, beyond mortal. And so it, it was it was but it was more about the like am i shocked that Notre Dame blew USC out no i talked about that last week from just a pure football standpoint but it's more so the fact that they played that way as an answer to what happened the week before right it says a lot about okay they're not where they need to be there there's changes that need to be made in small ways some big ways there's improvements that need to be made there's still growth happening with the head football coach but this team still has a little something to it. And when they play their game, they can not only win, they can blow people out, like good teams out. And, you know, that that's a good place to be so far. You know, so like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed we're sitting here at 6-2. and two. I'm disappointed that on October 17th, Notre Dame needs just the craziest season in college football of my lifetime to even be in the conversation for a playoff berth. I'm, I'm bummed by that. That shouldn't be the case right now. But at the same time, there's still a lot to play for. And this team, in, in many ways, Ryan has shown that, yes, it, it, it's, it has the ability to be very, very good when things are yep. clicking. Now they just have to figure out ways to make sure those things are clicking a little bit more frequently. But, I mean, you tell me, Ryan. I mean, 6-2, and two, not where we wanted yep. to be. Is it this close? Is it, man, I'm really worried about the future? I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can take this. And you can just look in our chat. And yep. there's different there's different ways to take it. Some are same old, same old. Some are disappointed, but I see progress, and it's understandable. I mean, it is understandable yep. to have those wide range of views because in 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 a lot of ways, it's kind of like it it's different, but it feels like we've been here before, you know. Sure. Well, I, I think for me, I think the upside and the best of Notre Dame football is very close to the mountaintop. I think it's very close. I mean, we have seen this year. You're one dropped interception or one play away from beating Ohio State, and you would be sitting here 2-0 and against the two best teams on your schedule in Ohio State and USC, potentially. Now, obviously, I know that's speculation, and that's you know a different scenario that has played out. But Notre Dame has showed that they can play against the best teams on their schedule, and they can beat the best teams on their schedule. I mean, they were a play away from Ohio State. They beat Duke. They came from behind in in, in – a kind of an odd fashion, right? And then you beat the doors off of USC. I mean, for the people that say, you know, USC was a fraud and all this type of stuff, we can have that conversation, but also you can't you can't take away from the fact that Notre Dame beat them by four touchdowns, right? Like, And, and I don't understand not, that, Ryan. I, I don't understand that desire that some people have that every time, and this is why you get this notion that Notre Dame never wins big games. Like a guy said that to me last week on Twitter. Notre Dame never wins these type of games. And I pointed out that they beat number four Clemson last year by 21 points. I said, yeah, but well, Clemson wasn't that good. Well, if we're if we're going to say that about every team that Notre Dame beats, Lou Samoji's talk about this. He goes, Notre Dame doesn't win big games because every time they beat somebody, Notre Dame fans just sit there and tell everyone how that team wasn't really that good to begin with. The, the big games yep. are the only ones you use. I mean, lose, I mean. 
I don't understand this desire to, to once you beat a team to tear them down and be like, well, they suck. They were frauds. They were whatever. Okay. All that I know is, is in Lincoln Riley's tenure at USC, they're 17 and four. That That's what I know. And yep. their three of their, their, their three, their four losses have come to two losses to the last year's PAC 12 champs that played in the Rose bowl. They lost to a, a really good two lane team in the, in the cotton bowl. Shouldn't have lost, but they did. That's a good football team. And then they lost to a, a Notre Dame team that's a top 10 program. I mean, in outside of one weekend in Louisville, right? So uh, they're frauds. You, you know, I mean, like, why why, why do that to yourself? That I think that's kind of partly right. where, where some people are. It's just, man, you, you just got to convince yourself to be upset. Then that's not a Notre Dame problem. That's a you problem. You know, that was a big win. And to your point, Ryan, it's just not that they didn't skate by a, a an overrated USC team at home. They dominate him from the start to finish, man. It's start to finish. Yep. No, they did. So, I mean, for me, like the the best of Notre Dame football, I think is very close to championship contender. The, the problem is, is that this program is still way too up and down volatile to what the, I think what the baseline of this team is. Like, I don't actually know. I don't, I don't believe I know. Maybe you do, but. I don't know what the baseline of this team is like on a what's an average Notre Dame team in 2023 look like. I, I don't know that for hundred percent. I don't because we have seen them play bad football or below average football against Duke nearly lose, have to come back in wild fashion, get dominated by Louisville throughout the, in the second half of that football game, a team that you were much more talented than and, you know, come out a little bit flat against Tennessee state still dominate, but look, just not everything clicked against Navy. You came out and played a tough football game against Ohio State. This team just is very just up and down and super yeah. just schizophrenic at times. Like it really yeah. is. And I think that the best teams like Georgia, for instance, right? Georgia is a team that we over the last couple of years has shown that they'll have a down game occasionally. You know, Missouri last year. And then this year they've already had a, a down game Couple. or two where you're just yeah, like South Carolina yeah. and, uh, and, and Auburn. Yeah. Where you're just like that team doesn't look like the. Georgia team of last year, but you know, the baseline of what Georgia is though, is still a really good football team who are going to win more often than not. You know, they've lost one game over the last two and a half years at this point now. Like that's the baseline for Georgia. The, the best of Georgia is fantastic. The worst of Georgia is still potential to win a football game. And then the middle is like, you're just going to win, right? You're just going to win. Notre Dame's is just much too up and down and inconsistent right now. So I need not only to fully hit the ceiling of this program, but I also need to stabilize the floor, right? Like I need to stabilize the floor and know on a week-to-week basis, right. even when we're not playing the best ball, we still have a chance to win a football game because we're really good and we're well-coached, we're organized, and we have everything behind us. I think that's what's missing with Notre Dame football mostly for me. It's not the highs. It's the middle ground that allows it not to drop below too much to the floor. I think that that's what's missing, the stability, if that makes sense. What's in it does, it makes a lot of sense. What's interesting, Ryan, is before Marcus Freeman showed up, we knew we knew that answer. We didn't like that answer. And and the answer was they're gonna beat all the teams they're supposed to beat, but they can't compete with the best teams in college football. They can't. And to a degree, now Notre Dame has not fully answered that question because they still lost to Ohio State, and that's a different level than a Clemson and a and a USC. But what I do believe this team has shown under Marcus Freeman is that, that when it's on, it is really good. 
And that's part of the, and I think that's part of the frustration that I have with a game like Louisville is because how do you look that good? Like, I'll say this, if Notre Dame would have played against Louisville offensively, like it did against NC State, like it did against Navy, like it did against USC, or like it did it against Ohio State, they're seven and one right now. And I think that's the frustration. You know, you and I were talking about this before the show. We're, we're talking about, you know, I said, man, it's like they're gonna they're gonna whoop Stanford, and you're like, good. And I could just hear it in your voice, and it was just like, but they should have whooped Stanford last year. And that leads to the point you're making is this Notre Dame team should go out and run the table down the stretch. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but there is still a little bit of volatility where you just don't, you know, Stanford last year, Louisville this year, where it's just like, for whatever reason, they just didn't show up that day. They just, it's like, it's like one side of the ball didn't want to really be there. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, right? Like, I mean, cause for me, it's like, if I go into a football game and the other team is just, it's their day, they're just better than me that day. Mm -hmm. I can deal with that as long as you play your game. But did anybody think that Notre Dame played their game against Louisville? No. I mean, defensively for a first half no. and a little bit into the third, like like Notre Dame didn't play their game. They played their game against Ohio State for the most part. It's just Ohio State beat them in the ends, right? I can right. handle that. I can deal with that. It's the Jekyll and Hyde thing right now with Notre Dame football that is just way too volatile. And we need to figure out what's the reason for that, right? Is it still a young coach that's finding his way, getting the stability in his program? Is it still – acquiring more talent or from a full roster perspective to keep filling in the depth. Is it a combination of both of those things? Is it an administration? Thing? Like what is it? And you have to kind of be able to, and I know this is more of an off season stra- thing right now, but this off that's season, we're at. To have, yeah, but that's where we're at, Ryan. I mean, it's yeah. appropriate to talk about it now because we've seen it. So, I mean, you can keep going, but it, it yeah, off season, we'll talk about what needs to be done, but right now it's about recognizing this is, what it is and and i'll ask you this ryan or i see it i see the issue more as it's more so one side of the ball has primarily been the problem i mean the defense is not why they lost ohio state either year yes the defense needs to step up and make a couple plays at the end of the game but good lord you held ohio state 17 points you know i i mean yes there's things that got to get fixed on defense you didn't lose the marshall game last year because of the defense yes they needed to make that final stop in the fourth quarter but it shouldn't have come to that you held them to 19 points or 19 points. Yeah. 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 You held Stanford to 16 points. The only game that you could say the defense is the reason Notre Dame lost is USC last year. Uh, You know, you, you could make stops in that game. Even the Louisville game. Yeah. The defense kind of fell apart in the second half, but it's like how often, I mean, how eventually that dam was going to break. I mean, you're, Yep. You're 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 keeping you yourselves and you're keeping your team in the game against Duke. You're keeping your team in the game against Louisville. Only give up seven points in the first half. You force a fumble in the second half. Eventually, the dam's going to break. And right. why is that one side of the ball the problem? Well, it's the coordinator. Well, okay, so it's two coordinators in a row. Is is it that simple? Maybe. I I, I think it's. I think there's more to it than that. So there's a lot of things they're going to have to figure out, Ryan. But that leads to a little bit of a. a I I know what this team is capable of. I just don't always know who this team is going to be. Yep. And that's both exciting, but also frustrating, to be honest with you. Like, in the final years under Brian Kelly, you and I could look at the schedule in 2021 and be like, they're going to win those 10 games. They they might win that one. They're not going to win that one. It, and you, just knew, an, I, you knew they were going to be Cincinnati. 
it's an identity thing, I think, is what I'm searching for still. You know, like even the teams that had shortcomings, like I think of like Marty Schottenheimer in the NFL, right? You always have the, the, the Marty ball like distinction. You still know who they were, though. You still knew what the values right. were. You still know what you were going to get on a week to week basis from a Marty Schottenheimer team. It was just in the biggest stage that might not work out, right? There's going to be some of those shortcomings that come. I don't know if there's shortcomings for a Marcus Freeman led football team right now because I don't think I fully understand what a Marcus football what Marcus Freeman football team is per se. I'm still searching for that. And I think there's still some exploration that is still happening from Marcus Freeman's side of things, right? What exactly does he want to be? I think he know I think he thinks he knows what he wants to be, but we know, I mean, Marcus Freeman's what, 37 years old? Guys, people evolve, right? Like they evolve. This you hope isn't so. a, well, right. yeah, I mean, yeah, true. Yeah, not always. <laughs> but you would hope that a 37-year-old coach that is only in his second year as a head coach is still a guy that is open to changing the process to be the best version of yourself. You would hope that that would still be there. And if that is true, which I find it hard to believe that Marcus Freeman isn't that guy with how much he stresses process, but we shall see if that is or not. But I want to know, ultimately, what does this team want to be long term when i find that out then i think it becomes a lot easier to deal with the successes and with the losses because you know what the identity is i think that the biggest frustration for Notre Dame fans right now is that you're not 100 percent sure exactly what this program wants to be what this team on wants offense to be. i would say yes would, would, yep. well let me ask you this ryan do you i don't always agree with the way that al golden goes about it but I do believe that when you watch Marcus Freeman's defense in 2021 in the last two years of Al Golden, I think we have a pretty good idea of what Marcus Freeman wants to be defensively. Yeah. Super right. aggressive. Yeah. Right. It's heavy. Mix up coverages. Man, man defense. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Got to be long. Want to be disruptive. You know, I think Marcus Freeman wants to turn the D line loose a little bit more maybe than Al Golden actually does, but we've seen Al Golden get better and better and better than that as the season's worn on this year. I feel like there's an identity there. It's scheme driven, you know, a little bit, Maybe more than I would like, but you know, uh, uh, you're you're you know kind of who you are, and you look at the way that Notre Dame is recruiting on the defensive line. It gives you a sense of, yeah, they're recruiting exactly to what they want. Like you and I can look at Logan Thomas and Cole Mullins yeah. and Bryce Young and Bubakar Traore, Brennan Vernon, Armel Mukum, Devin Houston, and know exactly why they were being recruited to Notre Dame on on defense. You and I can look at Carson Hobbs and say. You know, you and I may have a, a difference of opinion from each other or the staff or whatever about Carson Hobbs, but we can both look at him and say, I know exactly why the Notre Dame staff wants him. Yeah. Right. Same with Bodie Cahoon and Kingston and Leonard, I mean, Moore. Yep. Leonard Moore, definitely Christian Gray. You you have an understanding of what they want. There's a consistency yep. to what they want. And then you can watch them play on Saturday and say, man, I know that they're looking forward to when Josh Burnham and, and, Bubakar and those guys are ready to take over this D line because that's more of what they're looking for. When yep. I look at the offense and I watch the way it recruits, and then I watch the way it performs on Saturdays, I ask myself sometimes, why are you recruiting the kids you're recruiting if that's what you want to be on offense? So right. then you have to ask yourself, okay, do they not see the talent the way that we do? That we have to give air to that. We have to be willing to discuss that. That maybe. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe they're wrong. But there may be a chance that they just don't see the talent the way that we do at certain skill positions. And so they maybe they feel like, hey, we can't run the offense we run and run. I, I don't know. I, I haven't. No one's told me that. Nobody warned me of that before the season. So it's not like like because I had people at Notre Dame warn me 
about, I don't know if this team is going to be quite as good as we want it to be because we're concerned about certain positions on offense. There, there were some people within the program that didn't have a lot of faith in quarterback position. There are people in the program that were genuinely concerned about the, the wide receiver room. And this year, those same people were, hey, this team's got a chance to be special. And so what what is it about it that when you play the Ohio States and the and and the Dukes and the Louisville's that and the USC's that you become so unwilling to be aggressive the way that you need to? I mean, th- there's a lot of those questions to where I, I feel like they are still searching for an identity. And they can say, hey, we're yeah. offensive line driven. Well, what does that mean? I, yeah. I, there's a lot, so there's was a lot Oklahoma of different when styles. Bill Bedenball was there. Right. I mean, right. yeah, you know. Well, I mean, mean, there's like there's like the Stanford during the Jim Harbaugh era and part of the David Shaw where it's like we're a power football offensive line driven. But then there's the Chip Kelly version where it's like our offensive line's still really good, but like we are a spread work the perimeter. We're just different. Right. I mean, so still yeah, offensive line driven. Right. Yeah, I mean, but that, that, but it doesn't tell me offenses. what you are and what you value and what you want to be. That doesn't tell me right. what you want to be. Everyone wants to have a good offensive line. Is there a coach in America that's like, you know what? I don't want a good offensive line. I don't care about that. Like everybody wants that, right? Every right. single person wants that. It's just about what that, that doesn't tell you what the offensive identity is, right? Are you a spread team? Are you a pro style team? Are you a heavy run team? Are you a or air raid team? Do you want to spread out the, you know, and, and work horizontally vertically? Like it doesn't tell me what an actual identity is. It tells me that you want to have a good offensive line. Like every one of the 133 head coaches in FBS want to have. Everybody wants that. Nobody says, I'm going to recruit bad offensive linemen and put a bad offensive line on the field because I don't care about that. No one does that. No one does that. Some people aren't as good at it as others, obviously, but nobody wants to have a bad offensive line. That doesn't tell me who you are at all. I agree. And and it doesn't speak to what the identity is. Defense actually kind of, to me, actually is a little bit more telling when you say things like that because there are teams that their defensive line is nothing but a eat up blocks and let other people attack. I mean, there, it, it, there's, it, it's different than offense. And so to me, Ryan, when, when we look at it, it really comes down to, I think you nailed it. I don't know that this team, we, we know that this team doesn't have an, an, an identity on offense, Yep. but I don't know that they know what that off, what that identity is. I really don't. I mean, you get platitudes about, okay, we want to, you know, we, we, we don't want, well, we know they don't want to turn the ball over. Oh, okay. But is your obsession with not wanting to turn the ball over crippling you? Like that's right. something you have to, to to think about, and that's always my concern. And you can go back when when Mark Stream was hired. That was my only my my only real concern, other than experience, was I always get nervous when a defensive coach is hired because you wonder is he going to look at offense as a head coach the way that every defensive coordinator looks at offense, right? Because it's your side of the ball. And and so it, it, the offense needs to be more – yes, you need to have complementary football, but the offense needs to be willing to be its own entity as well. And I felt for the last year and a half that the offense was always a, a nothing but a compliment to the defense. We're going to do whatever we need to do to make life easier for our defense. And yeah. that's why whenever we've seen Notre Dame play a big game, there's just this utter lack of – being aggressive, trying to shorten games, doing all that type of stuff. And that's not an identity. That's, no. that's, um, that's just not going to win you the big games. And so you hope that Notre Dame 
is willing to be more open to that as as they get more of quote unquote their recruits in here because there's they're bringing that because the other part of this Ryan is it's exciting to think about the future I talked about this a couple weeks ago on on my midweek rundown like when you look at the talent that Notre Dame's going to have in the offense over the next three four years it's like oh man this could be fun but you got to turn it loose man yeah. Well, it's a whole roster perspective, Brian. Like, obviously, that's the big negative right now is like the finding identity and being what you want to be, especially on offensive side of the football. But the biggest thing that gives me optimism towards the season, if we're just talking about like a full scope, is Notre Dame's bringing in some athletes <laughs> from a recruiting perspective, man. I mean, yeah, guys, like it's not hyperbolic. I mean, we've seen a little taste of the 2023 class. You've only seen parts of it, though, right? Like, you haven't seen yeah. Micah Bell yet. You haven't seen Drake Bowen yet. You haven't seen, like, those guys that are, Jay like, Nalls, Armel Mookum. Like, you haven't Charles seen the, Jagasol, right. Yeah. You haven't right. seen the impact of those guys. And I'm here to tell you, I know some people are down on, like, the defensive class in 2024 for this reason, that reason. That defense, although there are some guys that need to be developed, some athletes there, man. Like, absolute athletes. Like, you can have your concerns with guys like Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rezac if you want and Sean Sevillano, but like there is some athleticism there. I mean, Teddy Rezac is six foot four, 195 pounds, and can run. Like literally has played corner safety and now linebacker in his high school career. He's been officially Bodie timed K- in the low four fives. Yep. Bodie Cahoon, four five four official time this offseason at 220 pounds as an inside linebacker. The kid can run, right? You have athleticism everywhere i mean talk about the wide receiver group that you have coming in cam williams micah gilbert and by the way logan saldate who just had eight receptions for 188 yards this past week and is having his best season by far in high school kedron young aeneas williams offensive line wise you have an absolute another after a year after having Charles jagasaw join the class you have another freak show offensive tackle showing up named gerby lambert next year as well too right so there's so much talent going to be riddled through this program and it gives you optimism because again if this staff can develop there are going to be a lot of talent to work with man and it's a lot it's next year's talent pool again i know there's going to be some questions as far as Who's your starting quarterback? If you lose Joe Walt, who's going to be your left tackle? There's going to be some defensive players that you need to replace. But it's not going to be a lack of talent. It's going to right. be – it's just going to be unknowns at that point. They're and going to be young and inexperienced but really yeah, talented. Really talented. Probably one of the more talented teams that we have seen from a Notre Dame perspective over the last 30 years, if we're being honest with ourselves. Like, it's, it's that level of depth of talent. Now, from there, it's is this the coaching staff – to take it from an on-field perspective over the top. We'll find that out ultimately. Right. But the, I think the future is bright. All that is long-winded to say, I think Notre Dame's in a good spot. I just need them to show that the baseline, that the floor can get stabilized a little bit because I see the, I see the upside for this program. I see it. Almost beat Ohio State, who's a top-five team in college football ranked right now. Destroy a USC team who was number 10 and undefeated. And again, I know you can call them a fraud if you want to, but they were still a good football team. And you have you have showed that I think there were higher flashes as a program. It's just now about stabilizing the floor under Marcus Freeman. That's what I want to see. One of the things that I have really enjoyed about Marcus Freeman, and, and again, we needed to see it again this past week, is two years in a row in different times in the season, Marcus Freeman has shown that his team can handle adversity well and, and come back from adversity pretty well. The next step is just don't make us have to see that as much. 
right? Like that's going to be the next step. But I, I am excited about the future of the program. I, I am. They're just, you have to be willing. And this is the, there's so much we say every week. There's so many unknowns with Marcus Freeman, just because these are the first times he's kind of going through things. You, we, you know, will he make the necessary changes to go out there and get the program where it needs to be? That's, that's the unknown. But yep. I, I, I continue to grow, you know, you, you grow confidence, then you get questions. Those questions gets answered, confidence grows even more. And that's where I feel. But the one thing that you know, Ryan, is as long as Marcus Freeman is the head coach, Notre Dame is going to recruit at a very high level. A very yes. high level. And so the talent <laughs> yeah. will be there. And and when you look at the last four-game stretch, for example, I mean, Notre Dame played four straight top 25 teams. They went two and two. They played really well in one and got a W. They played poorly in another, got a loss. They were good on one side, not on the other, and another loss. And then another game was just against Ohio State. was just, that was a really good football game between two really good football teams. And one team just made more plays at the end. I mean, that, that, that to me is kind of how that game went. And so now Notre Dame's got to figure out, okay, well, what, what do we do next? And that's what we're going to find out. And, and that's partly why this conversation is happening, Ryan. And we'll, we'll transition to that next is because as we wrap up where Notre Dame is, you don't have to stay there, right? You either, you're either going to get better or you're going to take a step back. And these next four weeks are going to tell us that. Well, I I don't, yeah. I mean, I think that's a a fine way of saying that. I don't think that the success that we've seen on the field from Notre Dame perspective, I don't think it's plateaued under Marcus Freeman. I don't think we've seen the best of this program. I, I, I would be shocked if that was the case. So yeah, you're sitting here now. Six and two, which is wild because, again, we're still in mid-October at this point, and we've already seen eight football games for Notre Dame. But you now have a four-game stretch to end this season after this bye week to show growth into the bowl season and into the offseason. You have that opportunity. So what are we expecting over these next four games, sitting at six and two? And how do we value that to the term of, what can be still be a successful season for where we are, right? Overall, from the standard perspective, we expected 11 and one to contend for a natural uh, for a playoff opportunity, and then we'll see what happens when you get into the playoffs, right? But success is not just the overline because we are where we are now, right? Six and two is where we are. What can you do now? S- step forward for the next four to five games to show that you can create success off of where you are currently. Success is not just a vacuum, right? Success is not just, this is the only way you're successful. You are where you are, man. You went through trials and tribulations. You are six and two. What can you do the rest of the season to deem this still success in the growth aspect of everything? So what are we going to see over the last four games, Brian? What, what, what do you need to see to see that growth? Because one of the things we did in the preseason stuff, Ryan, is we talked about what's the baseline and, and, what's the what's the what's the floor for 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 your program and and my comment was the floor should be 10 and 2 so you still have a chance to be at your floor when you look at the schedule and you see what's left on it there's yeah. one team that should should concern you that's clemson sure. Sure. there's three teams you just flat out should beat yes and so when I think about what we're going to learn about this football team in the final four games, which is, it's wild, it's six weeks. 
Because Notre Dame's at eight games, but there's a lot of teams that have only played six games so far. Because Notre Dame has two bye weeks left in their schedule, which is wild to me. But it's about, okay, can you can you rally? Can you put a, a, a late-season streak together? If you can, it tells me that Marcus Freeman knows how to develop a team that can finish strong. Now you need to fix the middle and 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 get that you know like that the the game like the Stanford game happened around the same time that the Louisville game happened as far as the course of the season and and that's something that you're going to have to figure out and address. But there's still a lot to play for for Notre Dame, a lot. And how you finish this season, Ryan, is going to be the true test of where you are as a program because like you and I can look at it and say, okay, six and two. You're two and two right now against top twenty-five teams. You know you had yep. you had really one clunker of in there, and you know the the more Duke plays, the more you realize maybe that wasn't necessarily Notre Dame playing bad. Maybe that's just Duke being really Duke's good. A good team. Yeah. You know, I mean, right now Notre Dame, we're disappointed. The Notre Dame scored twenty-one points against Duke. That's twice as much as what Clemson and NC State had combined against that right. Duke defense. Right. So you you learn more about that. You learn more about your opponents, and I think that I'll be honest with you, Ryan. That is the Louisville losing to Pitt made that even worse for a lot of fans, and I get it because it's like really, like Pitt beat you by seventeen, and and Notre yeah. Dame couldn't beat that team. But if Notre Dame is able to go out in these last six games, then you're you're going to have a team that know you did not live up to the standard that's the ultimate standard by which Notre Dame is judged, which is championships. Sure. But yep. I'm not, and I'm curious to your thoughts on this, I'm not a championship or it's a failure type of guy when you really evaluate the true nature of the program. You can say that from a big picture of the ultimate Notre Dame standard. It's championships or bust, and that's fine. I'm totally fine with that because I've said that about Brian Kelly. Well, yeah, I know Brian Kelly won X number of games. We won a championship. And that's the ultimate standard you're judged by. That's the ultimate standard this team will judge be judged by. Did you win a championship? No, they won't. But then there's the other way to look at it. So we can kind of put that aside. I, I, I believe that's how the Notre Dame standard should be. But then there's the other way of looking at it, of saying, okay, but did your program progress towards that goal or not? Yeah. And sometimes a season doesn't get you there, but it progresses you there. Clemson 2015, they didn't win a championship, but clearly they were progressing towards a championship. And they won one sure. in 2015 or 2016. You know, Alabama in 2008, season didn't end well. They got smacked by by Florida in the SEC title game. Then they got pounded by Utah in the Sugar Bowl. They weren't a championship team yet, but they were clearly progressing towards a championship team. Who? What is Notre Dame? And are they are they progressing? Because there's a scenario down the stretch, Ryan, that we'll talk about later that shows that they're not making progress. But when you talk about it. What Notre Dame has to play for in the final four games of the season is the true standard of who you are right now, where the program is right now, and the momentum that you're going to have going into the offseason. That's the key for Notre Dame yeah. as they as they get ready. This is what you're playing for. Who are you? Can you can you finish the season? Because look. Five straight wins to finish the season, including wins over USC and a road win over Clemson, says, yeah, Ryan, Notre Dame has made a big stride. Are they there yet? No. But have they taken yep. big strides? Yeah, I think so, because you're going to finish the season probably with five or six 
ranked opponents on your schedule when you look at the bowl game where, you know, Notre Dame was going 11 and one in Brian Kelly's last year and your record against ranked teams is 0 and one in the last two years under Brian Kelly, Notre Dame went two and three against ranked opponents. Yep. If you count postseason. So Marcus Freeman, I, I, hold on. Let me think about this. I think it was, so in 20, 20 and 21, they went two and two against ranked opponents. And then two and three, or 0 and 1. So two and three. And Marcus Freeman's two years as a head coach, he's got six wins over top 25 teams. So that's progress. You're beating good teams, but that only happens yep. if you if you can, like you said, establish a better baseline and really yep. handle business moving down the stretch. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The fall season is incredibly busy for me, which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor Meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with a special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals to promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's irish50 at factormeals.com slash irish50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try too. I, I think success is growth from a year-to-year perspective. I really do. Again, there's a standard that you're fighting to get towards. And it'll never be a, a perfect season for Notre Dame unless you win a national championship. You'll never be able to, to accomplish that, in my opinion. But Marcus Freeman, after going 9-4 and four his first year, 8-4 and four in the regular season and then winning the bowl game, if they go 10-2 and two, and, let's say, they get into a New Year's Six Bowl and they win a big game, going from 9-4 and four to 11-2, and two, is progress like you certainly show it the next step though after that would be let's show that we're there's continued progress right like you need to get better next year and the year after that the issue with brian kelly for me was not that there wasn't progress made in the program it was that you hit a certain level and progress stopped that was and it. they seemed okay with any that. higher than that and he seemed yeah. okay with that complacency i i would say is kind of where we got you like you got to a certain level and you were cool with that you know if you ever got any more than that that's cool that's awesome but like it wasn't a failure if you didn't get there, right? I'm talking about a growth mindset all the time. Uh, for the rest of the year, I mean, quite simply, 
Notre Dame needs to run the table. They need to, because there's a couple reasons that for me, they need to run the table. One, 10 and two looks pretty solid on paper, right? I mean, just from a national perspective, you look at it and say, Especially Notre Dame went 10 schedule, and two. Yeah. yeah. Notre Dame went 10 and two against a tough schedule a year after going nine and four. They show that they are growing as a program. Cool. That gives you potential. If you're 10 and two, most likely you'll be in a new year six bowl, which there's still that little monkey on your back of beating a, you know, winning a new year six bowl that you haven't done in a very long time. You need to get that victory off. And then also for me, Brian, if you run the table, that means that you beat Clemson. And we t- I talked about this a lot before last season, before this season. There are three games that you were ultimately going to be judged most upon in the regular season. That was Ohio State, USC, and Clemson for the back-to-back years. You went one and two against those three last season, beating Clemson but losing to USC and Ohio State. You are right now one and one against that, that stretch. If you go two and one, that shows me that there was progress made. You beat two out of three of the best teams on your schedule, which shows that those are the pillar games. That shows me that there is growth in that section. And then from there, it's about, let's take it one step for, further, right? Let's win every one of those games, right? Like let's win it and make sure that we get ourselves to the playoffs. But the growth is something that I need to see from a year to year perspective, nine and four, to a potential 10 and two, maybe 11 and two, win a New Year's Six Bowl, and you go two and one against the best three teams on your schedule, that shows me promise. That shows growth. That shows that there is something that is being built here. I don't want to see a plateau. And I, I doubt we've seen that in year two under Marcus Freeman, but I don't want to see the best of what we've seen from Notre Dame football this early in the tenure. I want to see consistent growth in this program. And I think we are, which, yeah, run the table. Let's win a New Year's Six Bowl. Let's go in the offseason now talking about the optimism for the future of Notre right. Dame football. That's what I want to say. So when you look down the stretch, Ryan, if Notre Dame goes 4-0 down the stretch, and, and they're going to have to earn it. It's not going to be easy. I mean, you, you you look at Clemson's defense and the numbers they're putting up, or I should say teams aren't putting up against their defense, it's a darn good defense. You're going you're going on the road. Clemson doesn't lose at home a whole lot. You've got a chance to get that win. You've You've never beaten them there. As a, as a program ever. And, and so this is a chance for Notre Dame to say, Hey, we made, like you said, we made progress, cut our loss total in half for the regular season and showed in year two that we're not going to have the Marshalls and the Stanford's anymore because the Louisville game to me is not Marshall. It's not Stanford, especially not Stanford. You could debate that it's Marshall, but I'd say even then you lost a Louisville on the road. You lost to Stanford at home the talent gap between Notre Dame and Marshall is much greater to me last year than the talent gap this year between Notre Dame and Louisville. Notre Dame still had the more talent. Again, it's okay to say that's a good football team you lost to and also say, but you shouldn't have lost. And, and that's, that's the Marshall game last year. That's a Louisville game this year. The Louisville game this year to me doesn't bother me as much as the Marshall game did for a million reasons. But if you go 10 and two, that's, it's a baby step, but it's an important step. Because now Marcus Freeman is is shown that he can he can do the things that that maybe Brian Kelly couldn't do, which is right. or that Brian Kelly could also do. The one thing that Brian Kelly was good at, Marcus can do now. If if they're able to finish strong, which is you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, you were able to out talent the teams you're supposed to out talent, and that's a that's a positive for me. That that, that that's a that's a that's growth. It's not growth that's going to make me say we've arrived, but it's growth. Right. Right, because and why that's important is because if you beat Clemson, you've also shown that we can start to beat some of the best of the best, 
right? You you can go out and beat Lincoln Riley, that that who most people think is a top five to eight football coach. You went out and you know get a win over Dabo because if you think about it, if as disappointing as being zero two against Ohio State is, being two and zero against Clemson is also a pretty darn good start for Marcus Freeman in his tenure. It, it is, and as you mentioned, it would be sort of two and one against the better teams on your schedule. I, I think that part right. of it matters that because in a lot of ways, Ryan, it, it matters for the team growing confidence. You can win those games, but it also shows because, because what this team has not done yet, in my opinion, is gone on the road and beaten a really good football team. I'm sure that is can. another yeah. unknown that we don't know. Cause like the, the wins last year, you beat Clemson at home. You lost sure. on the road to Ohio state. You lost on the road to, to USC, USC. Yep. I mean, what's your best road win right now? Right, Duke they didn't play very well. Syracuse mm. last year. I mean, is that like really your your best road win? Meaning, not just who you beat, but how you played. I mean, what are your North Carolina last year? Maybe that's a nine and five football team. You played great, but that's a nine and five football team that was coming off you know needing multiple overtimes to beat App State. Which, by the way. How about App State giving North Carolina two of their best games in the last two years? I mean, they've battled yeah, in both of the last two years. We're tough little but yep. you know, that that road success is something that's a little bit of a, a, a that's probably the it's like I'm looking at the biggest question mark you have right now about this particular team is how are you gonna play on the road? They didn't play very well against NC State on the road. They just beat a they were just a better talented team. They just made a lot of were more talented than you plays. You you struggled against Duke. It was a good, really good win. Duke's a good football team, yep. but it's yep. still Duke, and you shouldn't have needed a fourth quarter comeback to win that game. And then the last one is Louisville. That's what you've done on the road this year. You've not played well in true road games this year. You need to show that you can do that against Clemson. Because if you go out and beat Stanford on the road, let's be honest, that's not a needle. That's not a a answer, a question answering victory. Right. The Clemson game is it is and and so that's that's the biggest question that could get answered but it just shows that yeah your your program's taking a big step and perception matters a lot in sports ryan in a lot of different ways and it's a perception of you yourself that you have and the perception that outsiders have about the health of your program because you know if things start turning toxic from a fan media standpoint Things may be better than people think, but that your program is going to be judged that way. And that's going to affect recruiting. It's going to affect hiring. It's going to affect a lot of different things. It's going to affect d- donations, a lot of different things. Notre Dame can build a lot of positive momentum if they're able to run the table and beat Clemson. Yeah, they really can. I hope no one can hear this edger in the backgrounds because it is driving me absolutely crazy outside. I, but I oh. couldn't really hear it. Yeah, okay, good. Really <laughs> just making sure, yeah. man. I just started hearing it inside. I'm just like, oh, God. Here, of course, when I'm about to speak, it, it starts to do that, yeah. right? But, I mean, it's a great point, Brian, because I think, again, I think that also goes back to the baseline, though, doesn't it? I mean, the best teams are the same both on the road and at home. You always know what they are, right? You always know what you can expect from them. And being in a hostile environment – and you know, I know that some people are going to downplay Duke. I mean, um, Clemson this year, for instance, right? Because Clemson is not a great football team. They're a good football team still, of course. They're not a championship level team this year, obviously, with already a couple losses. But what Clemson is, though, is Clemson has a unique and very high home field advantage, right? 
that place gets rocking and they get rowdy and that pregame running down the hill and slapping the stone and doing all that type of stuff. That stuff's real guys. That is. And we, we can pretend like, Oh, it's just Clemson. If we want, sure. We can pretend if we want to do that, but it's still a good football team on the road in a very hostile environment. People are going to be up for that game. So that game hundred percent matters to me. I know I can already see it though, Brian Notre Dame beats Clemson tough on the road, potentially. And people in the chat are like, ah, it's just Clemson. Like, right. it's just Clemson. Sure, it's just Clemson. Sure. At home, when they got, you know, all the, the crazy theatrics before the game and, and it's a hostile environment, they don't lose a ton at home just in general. Like, it is a legitimate home field advantage. It matters. It 100% matters. If Notre Dame can run the table and they, again, I'll always go back to the, to the final point here, though, is that if they can go get to 10-2 and, and then win a big New Year Six Bowl, yeah. is that to check? that Brian Kelly was never able to check off the list, right? You're never able to check that off the list. You want to talk about progress? That is progress, 100%. That means Marcus Freeman in this tenure would have been able to do something that the previous regime did not do. That is growth. That is achievement that was not done in the previous years, obviously. And somebody in the chat, Ryan, Ed3 just said, and talking about the matchup as well, because the Notre Dame has struggled this year with teams that play are good on defense. And no, the Clemson offense isn't great, but I, I can, I'm concerned that at some point in time, this Clemson offense is going to figure it out. That's my concern. You're going to see growth from it, I think. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. you've got a young quarterback, you've got some young skill. They're going to figure it out, and that's that's the big concern that I have. And you do have two good running sure backs too, man. There's yeah. some talent there. There's some talent. Exactly. There. It's just it's just young, and they're still trying to yeah. find their stride. Yeah. You just got to make sure it doesn't happen against you and that's the other thing too is like look you've got a the the champ it's a championship climb that's what it that's what it is and and you know when when you talk about building your program you know alabama couldn't win a title until they did what beat florida right i mean you couldn't get there because that was one of those teams that was above you that was a hurdle and yeah right and and texas was above you texas was a big time program at the time you have to clear those hurdles. And Clemson has been a program that's been better than Notre Dame. And and beating them this game, Ryan, even though that Notre Dame has won the last two regular season games, they're still two and three against Clemson in the last decade. This yep. would make it three and three. But if you look at it more recently, it would mean Notre Dame is three and one in their last four games against Clemson. That matters. Now you will have ascended past them as a program, in my opinion. Because now Clemson's last title is outside that five-year window. Because we always say last five years is how you define where programs are now, right? Not what you did 10 years ago, not what you did 30, 40 years ago. But what have you done in the last five that's relevant? And in the last five, once we get to start looking at the 23, it's 23, 22, 21, 20, and 19. That's it. Yep. And, and you know, Notre Dame during that stretch will be three and one against Clemson if they can win that game. So it's a it's a program that you're just slowly going up the list. And what you did this past Saturday is you made sure that USC didn't pass you. That's what this past Saturday was, because if USC beats Notre Dame with the way they're recruiting the portal with Caleb Williams and all that type of stuff, you start looking at it like, man, next time you have to go to battle against the Kingston Villama Asa type of kid, USC's got something to sell to him. It's going to be a lot much yep. tougher. So, hey, we're better than Notre Dame. Yeah, they beat us X amount of times. But that was with Clay Helton at, at, as coach. Look what we've done since Lincoln Riley got here. Sure, and yeah. that that mattered, man. And now Clemson yeah. can. So it's it's part of it's overcoming the teams in front of you, Ryan. But it's also about holding off the teams that are trying to catch you. 
and that's what beating USC was. This that's weekend. the that's the baseline thing, right? That's stabilizing the floor. That's stabilizing the baseline. Don't let teams catch up with you and keep ascending towards the teams right. that are ahead of you right now. Like being, right. I think it all comes back to stabilizing the baseline. I, I keep saying that over and over again. But what is Notre Dame on the average day? What are they on the worst day? I think we need to figure that out more consistently, and we need to raise the expectations for those games a little bit. Because Georgia on its bad day, still capable of winning a football game, right? Sure. Notre Dame on its bad day. Same with Bama. Bama yeah. didn't play very well at Texas A&M, but they made yep. the plays they needed to make to go on the road and beat a decent team. Yep. Right? That's what you need exactly. to do. To me, the, the floor needs to be the Duke game. That's what the floor needs yeah. to be. Oh, for Notre ugly, Dame. ugly win against the top 25 good football right. team. Yep. A team that you're clearly better than. Yep. Like the Ohio State performance to me was better than the Duke performance as far as how Notre Dame played. Yep. Because of the, the quality of the competition was so much better. Now, how they finished was way better against Duke. Yep. But that's going to be the key. And this next four games is is part of that part of that growth. Because there's three teams on there you just flat out need to beat. They're, you're just look. I know Pitt beat Louisville, Louisville beat Notre Dame. That's not how it works, right? Otherwise, you know, was it, um, you know, I mean, Bowling Green beat Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech beat Miami. Does anyone think that if Bowling Green played Miami this weekend that they'd beat Miami? No, of course not, right? It's just, that's not how it works. But it's it's a team you just flat out have to win. Just flat out have to win and and set up yep. that win for the duke game and 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 or the clemson game so so i'm there's a lot to play for ryan from a from a um yep. a, you know postseason standpoint too you you we've mentioned a couple times i think i think that's a big part of it as well because you know right now notre dame's ranked 15th i had them 13th in my my top 25 because i don't personally for me i don't look at it like the ap voters do and the coaches poll do where it's just like well if you won you stay here if you lost you drop automatically i didn't drop oregon at, at all in my my ranking i kept them at 10 why they lost but they went on the road against a better team and took them played them down to the wire that's a that's and, a top and, 10 and football they, team right there and they could have won the game if dan lanny made a couple different decisions during, during yep. the stretch of that football yep. game they that's a top 10 football team, team for me yeah they lost yep. but that answered some questions for me about oregon and there's a lot of teams and and sydney moore was talking about it in the chat a little bit but there's a lot of teams that are they're just now getting to the heart of their schedule where Notre Dame just went through the heart of their schedule. They did. And yeah. that's why this last four game stretch is important because you've got to keep winning as other teams keep dropping off and you just keep climbing and climbing and climbing. And then you set yourself up for a postseason game in a, in a New Year's six game, which which this year uh, is is going to be interesting, Ryan, because as I'm looking at it, I've got to do a little bit of a deeper dive into the specifics of the bowl schedule, but the way that it's set up this year with the playoff games being the sugar bowl and the Rose bowl, the only two bowls that are 100% determined by conference champions are now semifinal games, which my understanding now is that means there's a lot more at large situations available for Notre Dame in the, in this, in this off season, right? And so yep. that sets up a chance where, okay, you, you've got a chance to go out there and and um, and have some have some success and and get into that game because, like I, I've said it a million times, Ryan, you and I both know this. If if no, if Notre Dame is eligible for a major bowl game, they're gonna want Notre Dame. Sure, I mean. And in this year is a perfect example. Notre Dame has played in 
what four incredibly large in front of incredibly large TV audiences. A buddy of mine just sent me a tweet this morning that the Notre Dame USC game was the highest ranked, uh, the high most viewed Notre Dame USC game since the Bush push in 05. It's wild. You know, so yeah, they're going to want Notre Dame in that game. And and it, it sets up another up to, even though, like you said, the ultimate standard was not meet, met. It There are some, some dragons you have a chance to slay this year, Ryan. Some if you're positive, able to, positives that yeah. you can take from it. Yep, yeah. 100%, 100%. And you can build off of it, man, because, again, this is a – there's still a lot of young cats that are playing for Notre Dame right now, right? There's a lot of kids that are just starting their college career or just in their second year. There's a lot of dudes that are going to come back next year is the point. And, Brian, like you need to be able to taste a little bit of – success in order to really urge for the next step in my opinion right like we all talk about national championship and that's the ultimate standard but none of these players on notre dame's team right now have won a new year six bowl not a single one of them right well maybe a transfer has let me think javante john baptiste maybe i don't know but he won a rose bowl you're sure so javante john that's what it is right well (laughs) Well, thomas harper beat notre dame in the fiesta bowl okay so there but I don't think he played transfers. in that game, though, Ryan. My, my point is, <laughs> Thomas, they, Harper, yeah. Thomas Harper was hurt in that game. He didn't play in that game. Yeah. Javante Jean-Baptiste right. was not a starter at Ohio State. Sure. They didn't win or lose the Rose Bowl because yeah. of Javante Jean-Baptiste. There's a difference. They're also seniors that will be gone next year, right? And talking about the young talent on this football team, right. those guys don't know what that's like. They have no idea what that tastes like, right? And sometimes getting that taste makes you hungrier for more, right? A lot of times. And for me, it's like there are a lot of things the rest of this year that Notre Dame, this current team, and this team that will be back next year, they haven't experienced, right? They haven't experienced it. And if they're able to do that and win a New Year's Six Bowl, and because you know if Notre Dame goes 11-2 and two and wins a New Year's Six Bowl, even without Sam Hartman, they're going to be ranked very high next year to start their year. They're going to be ranked very high because there's still a lot that's going to be coming back, and we'll see what the quarterback position is to start the year next year. But – the, the, the voters like Notre Dame. They do. They want Notre Dame to be really good because you AP know why? at least. AP Coaches well, poll. Eh. Yeah, sometimes, eh. yeah. Most of the Politics time, though. There. Yeah. Most That's of the, the time, That's the poll I care least about, by the way, Ryan. Yeah. So sorry. I, I, I just like, I that, that. that was not a shot at you. That was a shot at the coaches yeah. poll and how garbage it is. I know. But you know that the people that profit off of it usually like Notre Dame because Notre Dame is always going to bring – profits and a brand and the money to the table it's always going to bring it so there are a lot there's a lot to play for the rest of the years folks again you're not going to feel the you are, you're not going to feel completely vindicated for a national championship and feeling like this is exactly where it needs to be but there is still growth that is go- that could potentially be had this year if Notre Dame's able to finish it the way that they can and what they're capable of finishing it so that's what's at stake the rest of the year man that's what's at stake and I think that that's obviously what's on the table. There's also the other side, though, Brian, of well, what if that doesn't happen, right? What, what right. happens if Notre Dame drops well, one game you don't see, loses yeah. the Clemson, and they finish out 8-4 yeah. again? I mean, and, uh, that's on and, the table, too. And we'll get to that one here in a second, Ryan. But sure. I, I did want to talk about the postseason. I have said before in the past that, if, when, that when Notre Dame has their kicking down the door on the – New Year's Six. I've said this before in the past. It's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. I, I just have felt that it's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. I just have always felt that because it's a it's a it's a bowl game and in a venue of so many phenomenal Notre Dame games over the years. I mean, you go back to 
you know, losing to Texas in 1970 and then beating Texas in 1971. They beat Texas after the in the Cotton Bowl. So 1977 national championship going into the bowl season, Notre Dame was ranked fifth. Texas was ranked number one. They played on January 2nd of the year I was born, by the way. And Notre Dame beat them 38 to 10, which allowed Notre Dame to vault from five to one, win a national championship that year. The next year's the 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 chicken soup game with Joe Montana against Houston, right? And then of course Lou Holtz. I mean Lou Holtz might have you know should have set up residence in, in in the Cotton Bowl as often as he played in it. You know they lost to Texas A and M after the '87 season, and then they played back to back Cotton Bowls against Texas A and M. Won both of them, and after the '92 and '93 seasons. And so Notre Dame has a long history. Of course, they they played in the Cotton Bowl in 2018, but I still don't count that as the Cotton Bowl. It's a playoff game. It's just a different animal. I just have always felt if they're going to break that streak, it's going to come again in the Cotton Bowl. And the nice thing about this year is the Cotton Bowl and the Peach Bowl are both at-large games. So it's not the not the same kind of bowl tie-in. Because like there's some years where it's like if it's Cotton and Peach are the semifinals, the Rose Bowls, ACC, or Big Ten versus Pac-12. The Sugar Bowl is, is SEC versus Big 12, and then the Orange Bowl is SEC versus ACC or a- ACC versus a- SEC or Big 10. You know, there's all they're all tied in. Well, this year, only the Orange Bowl has those tie-ins, which Notre Dame has a partial tie-in, too. If an ACC team goes to the playoff, then they could – I believe they can select Notre Dame uh, as part of that, or they could select Notre Dame instead of the Big 10 or ACC team. But Notre Dame has a tie-in to the ACC, and then the other two are at-larges. So again, it's not just winning down the stretch, but some of these wins have to be impressive. Not Clem- just beat Clemson, right? But you've got to beat Pitt convincingly. You've got to beat Wake convincingly, Stanford convincingly. Because if they do that, Ryan, I mean, like they're sitting at 15 now. I'd be willing to bet you that the committee has Notre Dame a couple spots higher than that if, the- if they were doing their playoff thing right now. Because they would look and say, how many teams have two top 25 wins? There aren't many. Yeah. Right? There aren't many. And, and you know, Notre Dame's two losses are also against top 25 teams. So you don't have to win a lot of games, Ryan, and have a lot of teams drop to be right there in the in the thick of one of the at-large berths. You don't. I mean, you just sure. really need to be in the top eight. Notre Dame getting to the top eight if they win out is highly likely. Highly likely. Oh, yeah. And in two. Yeah, I agree. Because you got to think about this. I've said this. I put this on the board the other day. A lot of the teams ranked ahead of them play each other a lot moving yep. forward. And outside of Texas and Oklahoma, most of the teams, well, Texas, Oklahoma, and Georgia, and to a degree, Michigan, they all have pretty soft schedules left. But the teams, the other teams don't. The, the other teams, like, you know, I mean, you could say Michigan has Penn State and Ohio State, but that's it. I mean, that's yep. really it. But like Oregon and Washington and all those teams, they all play each other. And they're just going to, somebody's going to have to lose. And then their name just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. And so the momentum part is is key. Ryan, uh, last part of this, too, as we talk about what Notre Dame is, is to play for is recruiting. I mean, it, keeping this 24 class together is vitally important. And I have no – I have heard nothing that makes me – I mean, a buddy of mine was like, yeah, but, you know, last year they lost Peyton Bowen. And, and I'm like, yeah, but Peyton Bowen kept taking visits. Like, like there were signs. You know, I don't know of a single Notre Dame kid. That, the only kid that's taken a visit in season so far is Bronte Johnson going to the Louisville game the to watch game. Notre Dame. <laughs> yep, yep. And that's it. You know what I mean? 
the rest of them, no, they're not taking visits. But you fall apart down the stretch, and maybe, maybe that changes. But even more so, so that's important. But Notre Dame, I was asked yesterday, how's 25 defensive recruiting? And I was like, well, you know, they haven't closed on top guys, but it's an impressive board. You close out strong, beat USC, beat Clemson, climb back into the top 10, and all of a sudden you've got something really good to pitch the 25 class. Yep. You do? I, I mean, I, I think for the 2024 class, I would agree 100%. I, there's no reasons for skepticism of putting that, of keeping that class together. The great part about Notre Dame is that, for the most part, you know what the 2024 class is going to be, right? There's a Carter Nelson that you're still trying to flip through Nebraska. There's an interior defensive lineman that you're still looking at, obviously, on that side of the football. But for the most part, you know what the 2024 class is because Notre Dame does recruiting a lot early, and they've gotten their class fully together at this point, pretty much. And for me, it's about maintaining. And I think that they obviously have learned a little bit of a lesson from last year as far as maybe – telltale signs of some players taking visits lying doing that deception and really kind of understanding what players are fully invested in the Notre Dame you know values moving forward so you feel good about where it is Brian but yes 10 and 2 finishing out strong maybe winning a New Year's Six Bowl it's affirming things for recruits right you see that and you're like Mm -hmm. okay progress the same way that we want to see progress as fans and as analysts is the same thing that recruits want to see. They want to see that this the the pitch that Notre Dame is building to them is obviously four for forty and all that great stuff. But it's also like we're we're trying to win a championship here, right? Like that's what we're pushing towards. And seeing progress from a year to year perspective shows that the growth is substantial and it's maintaining and it's moving forward. So twenty twenty four class, that's what you want to see. Twenty twenty five, folks. I, look. I am incredibly optimistic for what this 2025 class could be. I really am. Because right now, you have a great core of six players. And I think of guys like Deuce Knight. I think of guys like CJ May who are going to recruit their butts off. And I guarantee that there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to want to come play with a guy like Deuce Knight, for instance. There's going to be a whole lot of players. But that to say is, is that everyone asks, what could the biggest impact be on recruiting from a down year or falling down the stretch? It's not as much in the 2024 class. It's more about the future classes, 2025, then into 2026. Those are the, the classes that most want to see that growth because they have an extra season of, hey, now 2024, did you show growth in that way as well? The, the timing is the biggest thing. They have more time for their mind to wander, for their decisions to be made, for the decisions to be second-guessed. You want to maintain and show growth so that the 25 class becomes what it potentially can be. Because the baseline right now, you have a legit five-star talent at the quarterback position. You have some very talented players already in the class. I mentioned C.J. May. You talk about Daniel Anderson, Justin Thurman. You talk about the guys – uh, Joseph Reef, like there are some legitimately very good right. football players. Davion Dixon, who was the first player that committed in this class, you have a le- really good baseline and beginning of recruiting. If you're able to show that you can win on top of the recruiters that you already have in 2025, you have a chance to put together a tremendous class, a game changing type of class. That's what you have. If you're able to get guys like Owen Streebig and James Flanagan 
and you convince a tail and Taylor to come to town and you close on a couple of the wide receivers that are on the board and you get some of the high impact defensive linemen that are on the board, the Christopher Burgesses of the world, the cornerback board is highly impressive. Can you get a Devin Williams to come to town? Can you convince a Cree Thomas to end this thing soon? Can you do those types of things on top of getting a J- Jadon Blair or getting an Ethan long, getting those types of impact talent that helps to stabilize that baseline, getting more talent in here. That helps to stabilize the baseline. So recruiting has been a big priority under Marcus Freeman. And if they're able to win and show progress, I think that recruiting will continue to boom for Notre Dame. The interesting thing, Ryan, is the offensive side of the ball is the one that's been the best, in my opinion, so far, recruiting under Marcus Freeman. I don't think that's going to stop just because of this season, especially, though, if you win the next four. I mean, you know, again, you drop the next two, it's going to probably mean what? It means your offense stunk. Now you start getting a little bit nervous about offensive recruiting in 2025. You know, for all of our frustrations, Notre Dame on paper is still going to have an offense that kids are going to be attracted by. There's still 36 points a game. That's probably going to jump with some of the teams that they played down the stretch. Let's be honest. And because I, like, I know people are concerned, oh, what I'm worried about Stanford now. Guys, they were down 29 to nothing at halftime. That was more about a choke job by Colorado and a receiver at Stanford having the uh, a, a game that he will never have again and has never had before. <laughs> I mean, just an insane game. That was more about Colorado. But those are yeah. going to be games that you expect to kind of pump the stats up a little bit against inferior defenses. Because Stanford's – I'm actually – I was impressed with what Sanford did offensively. Their defense is just really bad. It, it's it's not good. But the concern, Ryan, was can they really close on the best defensive players in that class? Well, yep. the product they're putting on the field defensively right now absolutely has kids. Hmm. Right? I mean, I, I, when was the last time yep. Notre Dame could say to a recruit, hey, Devin, I know you can go to Georgia and you can go to Bama. <laughs> but we've got the best cornerback room in the country right now. Yeah. Yeah. They can legitimately make that case. They can legitimately make that case. And so uh, that's, and then at safety, it's like, Hey, look how good the rest of our defense is. You can come in and play right now. And safety, you know what I mean? So it's, it's and then like Damian Shanklin, who's a four-star defensive end in the Indianapolis area. All he wanted to talk about after his visit, and I have a recap that's coming out at irishbreakdown.com on Damien, is that this afternoon, this evening, seeing the defensive, yeah. So seeing the defensive line just eat them up all game. That was all he wanted to talk about, right? The fact that Notre Dame had let the, I think he called the the dogs loose, right? Let let them just go after the quarterback and be incredibly, be harassing all game and to just let them go. Just let them go because ultimately, Notre Dame uh, or Damian Shanklin uh, for Notre Dame. If he ends up there, he wants to be let loose and he wants to create havoc on the quarterback. So seeing that firsthand, yep. big time for defensive crews. There's no right. doubt about it. It helps with Chris Burgess. It helps with, you know, the kid they're trying to flip from Georgia. I mean, those things help because we, we've talked about this a lot, Ryan. It, it comes down to, you can say something, but kids want to see it. Okay. Yeah. You tell me you're going to turn me loose when I get there, but you're not turning the guys you have now loose. Well, now it's like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, they did. I mean, if you're a middle linebacker and you're a top 100 player, you're you're going to look and see, man, you know, J.D. Bertrand's a pretty good player. I'm about three inches taller than him, about 15 pounds heavier than him, and I'm faster than him. Like, what could I do in that defense? 
right? I mean, it's hard not to watch this defense right now. And even in the games that they've lost, I mean, the, the Notre Dame defense battled against Louisville. They played great against Ohio State, you know, especially from a perception standpoint. So the kids are going to look at that and be like, I want to play in that. And it's been a, a it's been a minute since Notre Dame really had that kind of defense from a defensive line standpoint. And they haven't been able to capitalize even when they did have it. They've got to they've got to capitalize now. And I'll like somebody the other day called out Washington a terrible recruiter. I've had my issues with Al Washington closing at defensive tackle. But when you look at Bubakar Traore and you look at you know, Ber- Armel Mookum and Devin Houston and Logan Thomas and Cole Mullins and, and, and Bryce Young and Davion Dixon and those type of players, they're bringing in some guys. Now you've got to keep that going and really close yeah. on some interior guys and keep that going at 25. But Al Washington has a much better product to sell now. That's my point. He has a much better product. So I can say, look, look what I did Isaiah Foskey, right? Yeah. Help turn him into second round pick. Look what we're doing now with these guys. Look what Howard Cross is doing. Look what Riley Mills is doing. Look what these guys are doing. And you can be a part of that. Now, Chris Christopher Burgess, you know, he's watching Notre Dame in 2022, Ryan, and he's thinking, yeah, I don't want to play big end in that defense. Now he's watching Javante Jean-Baptiste and Nana making plays, and he's like, I want to play big end in that defense. Sure. And you've got a much better product to say, sell. Much, much better product to sell. So yeah. uh, you, you get kind of fired up about it, man. You really do. And now it's about closing, but it closing and recruiting is going to be aided by closing the 2023 season. Well, there's no doubt yep. about it. Yep. The flip side, and we'll just kind of talk, quickly talk about this. The flip side is, is all the positive games you've made can go away quickly if you falter down the stretch. Yes. If you lose to Clemson, you're still a good program, but you're not that program yet. Right. Right. If you lose a couple and you lose a game you're not supposed to lose, all of a sudden, to me, eight and four in year two compared to eight and four in year one is regression. And yes, the schedule's been tougher, but you don't have the excuse as a quarterback this year. That you're year two of the system. There's no excuses, no excuses for them for them to 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 lose two. I don't think there's an excuse for them to lose one. But that's the other thing is all the momentum you have could just like that vanish. If this team doesn't finish strong, I mean, I mean, Brian, like eight and four real quick before I go to nine and three, if you go to eight and four, that means that you lost to two teams that you are legitimately just much better than right. That you are legitimately much more talented because if you lose to Ohio state and you lose to Clemson, yes, I would say the talent top to bottom is better on Notre Dame than Clemson, for instance, but at least it's a conversation, right? Like they still have some dudes there, right? They still have a lot of talent. It's not like it's a talent depleted Clemson team. There's just some spots that need to get better and they need to get more, you know, uh, consistent in a lot of areas. Right. But if you lose to Ohio state and Clemson, it's, it is, it's very unfortunate and very disappointing, but at least you can say like, at least you lost the talent, right? If you lose to Louisville and let's say you drop one to, pit or someone else down the stretch where you're just like dude Notre Dame can't lose to that team especially after losing to Louisville like that that's your one bad loss of the season potentially right now and even that bad loss is a team that still was a top 25 team in that football game so it wasn't like they were a bad team either but regardless you cannot lose two football games against teams that you were just flat out better than again because then you have to say why are you losing to those teams is that a coaching issue is there a times in each year multiple games in each year, Ryan. 
you want to talk about red flags, you know, there's always red flags that kind of pop up when things don't go your way or that there's things that you don't accomplish. That's a major red flag. If you lose to two of those teams in year two, major red flag. So nine and three would be a disappointment comparative because again, I think that Notre Dame should be Clemson very like honest. Like, I think they should be Clemson even on the road. I think they should, but nine and three, again, at least well, I should backtrack. Eight and four is a disaster, in my opinion. That's a disaster in year two. That is regression. Nine and three, it's still not good, but it's understandable to a degree. Like, I can at least understand how you got there, right? You fought a couple good teams. It's a tough schedule. You didn't make the plays you needed to do down the stretch, and you just had a absolute just collapse against Louisville in the second half. Just an absolute, You were just weren't ready to play in that football game. You can at least understand the process there. If you go eight and four, though, that completely negates all momentum that you could potentially have because you could still create a lot of momentum this year. Ten and two, potentially winning a, a big bowl game, a New Year's Six bowl, the, people will still be buzzing about this program moving forward into next season. If you go nine and three or eight and four, and you hobble into a bowl, maybe you win, maybe you don't. That really starts taking some of the luster off of this program right now. Because where were we last week this time, Brian? Before that, before the game against USC. We're talking about like if Notre Dame loses to USC, the luster starts to fall off, and you yeah. are like in, oh man, I don't know about this. Like this is not going to be great. You're still in that threat if you drop a couple games down the stretch, or if you lose, like let's say, like even if Clemson just beats you convincingly, you're like, dang man, I there's something that needs to change here. Like there needs to be some yeah. self realization. There needs to be a, a kind of a a look into the mirror as far as like on a day to day process perspective. Like th- things need to change, right? Ten yeah. and two. With a big bowl victory, you can still say the process is good. We just need to fix a couple of these things, and then our process will be very good. Yeah. And we'll be able to get to that spot. The, perfecting yeah. the process is what I need down the yes. stretch. If anything less than uh, 93 or 8 and 4, that's saying there's a flaw in the process, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it, it's a bit nerve wracking, Ryan, because it is still a bit of an unknown. And we still don't know that Notre Dame can replicate strong. Like part of me wants to say, Boy, that USC game is just going to be the springboard to a strong finish. And I, and I believe that that's very much possible. But it, again, I just point to the fact that we really don't know that. But here's what we do know. That Marcus Freeman was pretty good in November last year, except when he went on the road against a, a pretty good football team. And yep. they didn't play well. Now, I will say this. This year's Clemson team, I don't think is as good as last year's USC team. I don't yep. think. Because their offense is just so far just not been good so far, but that defense is really good, really yep. good, and uh, it, it, I really feel like when we sit down and have the show coming out of the bye week, if Notre Dame is eight and two, I'm gonna have a much much different view on optimism for the. I'm like now, I think they're fully capable of it. I just have a little bit of just I just need to see it, you know, just show me you can beat Clemson on the road. If we're coming out of, if we're going into the, we're doing the show in a few weeks and Notre Dame's eight and two, they're going to be a top 10 team, man, I'm going to be very excited, very excited because I know I'm going to sound crazy for this. They're just not losing to Wake Forest and Stanford. They're not. They're just not. Oh man. If they beat Pitt and Clemson, they're not. (laughs) I don't don't believe in jinxes. (laughs) Um, They're just, they're just not, they're not, they're not going to lose to those teams because they could play exactly like they did against Louisville. And beat both of those teams. I mean, they're just they're just not good. They just need to make sure they don't repeat what they did against Stanford last year. 
right? And that's going to be the key. But my feeling is if you are the team that's capable of beating USC, beating Pitt, and beating Clemson, then you're not going to have that stumble against Wake and against Stanford. That's that's where I'm coming from. Yep. Whereas if you lose one of those two games, I'm, it's not a given to me that you can show up and play good enough to win in those games. I actually sure. think they are, though. If I had to make a prediction, if I had to predict the last four games, I, I feel very – I feel much better about Notre Dame. If I were to rank my order of confidence, it's four no three and one two and two. That that would be and and four no to me right now is top one. I, I do feel good about this team because I I do feel the 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 USC win is going to be sort of that catalyst for this Notre Dame team to say, hey guys, we're pretty good when we want to be. Now yep. you get some rest. You go on this last. You play two games, then get more rest, and then play two games. And I think there's going to be a fresh football team in November. I do. I think those two buys are going to help them as well. Because I just don't think – I've said this before, Ryan. You know my stance on buys. I don't think buy. I think buys are overrated from the whole – we're going to do extra scouting and do extra plays, and, and I don't like that. Just get better at what you already do. Buys are great for rest. They're great for rest. And that's what – Notre Dame's going to get a lot of that this next month, and they need it. I, I saw an interview that Xavier Watts did after the game too, where that's what he talked about, right? Like that was the biggest thing was you played eight straight games, your body starts aching a little bit, right? Like your body's beat up a little bit. You played a lot of football. It's about rest hundred percent. Like it's not about yeah. being exotic and being something you aren't and reinventing the wheel. It's about getting your players that back who just played eight straight football games and getting them healthy and getting them ready to go down the stretch of the season. That's all it's about. And I think Xavier Watts said that almost word for word. He was just like, I played eight football games in a row. My body's a little beat up, a little bit sore, a little bit achy. Be nice to get some rest. So, yeah, man, use this to the best of your ability to get your bodies back. Finish strong. Optimism into the offseason. Let's go, man. Like at that point, right? Like I'm I'm still excited about the future of Notre Dame football, but this stretch I think is going to kind of lay that foundation towards what they are building. I think there's still a foundation that is being built, and I think potentially winning out and then getting into a big bowl game and coming out with another victory there could really show what the Marcus Freeman tenure could be, or at least the start of what that what they're really processing and building. It is wild how one game can completely change your feelings and emotions. It really is wild how yep. you think about where we were last week than this week. It's like, man, they need completely that. different, completely different. They needed man. that big completely time. Different. <laughs> and even if, and even if they would have beaten USC, like it would have been nice if they would have beaten USC regardless. But Brian, I think it would have been different if like your defense played the way it did, but you won 21 to 20 or 24 to 20. Cause you're just like, mm-hmm. dang man, this offense still sucks. Like it still right. sucks. It's not good. You felt good because it's like, you just beat a good football team number 10 team in the country, undefeated football team by four touchdowns. You did that. Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns in that game. So, yeah, I think there's much more optimism from last week to this week, mm-hmm. and I want that optimism to keep building. So that's why the the stretch of this season is so important. It is. It is. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to have a midweek rundown tomorrow that I'm going to talk about things that I want to see from Notre Dame down the stretch. That's going to be an interesting thing, too, because – it is going to happen because you clean up some things. I mean, that, that, there is a part of that too that happens in bye weeks. Like, okay, let's let's clean up a couple things and maybe chuck a couple things out, add a couple things to the mix, just some wrinkles to get better and complement what we're good at, stuff like that. And that's going to be part of fun too. And then at the end of the week, Ryan, the coaches are going to get on the road. 
they're going to get on the road this week and go see some people. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. So that wraps that's up fun. this part of the show. We're going to do a mailbag next. We don't have a ton of mailbag questions today, Ryan. So that's probably going to be a quick one. Uh, but before we do, folks, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. If you have not already done so, sign up for the message boards at boards.rsbreakdown.com. It's only $4.99 a month or $49.99 for a year. If you do sign up for a monthly membership, you get a 10% off discount to our IB merch store, which you can see the link below. If you sign up for an annual membership, you get a 20% off discount to our IB merch store as well. You can also join, if you want to support us above and beyond, you can also join one of the booster clubs. We have the Shamrock, the Blue, and the Gold. If you join the Shamrock or Blue Club, you get a free IB Club mug that only goes out to members. And if you sign up for the Gold Club, you get the mug and an IB Gold Club shirt. And uh, pretty cool deal. So, And uh, we're excited about that. We really appreciate all that support. So that's going to do it for this part of the show. And I have a mailbag coming up next on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.